Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. Scripture reading this morning is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Good morning. God is good. All the time. I've seen a lot of visitors. I want you to know we're glad to have you with us, and I've been able to meet some of you, and uh, hope you'll consider joining us anytime that you can. Now, on that particular note, uh, March 3rd. You may have seen it in the slide, maybe you heard a little bit about it, but we're going to have a Friends and Family Day on Sunday, March 3rd, so services will be a little different. We're going to have Church Eat Church, uh, or really Church Eat devotional sort of thing, and you will be spared from my preaching because John's going to preach and I'll teach the auditorium class and then we'll eat and afterwards we'll come back in and Jacob's going to lead us in a devotional. But the whole point of this is to invite your friends and family. And hopefully, uh, by their invitation and presence, maybe they'll uh, see what the family at Glendale Road is like and they may want to join us. Or maybe some of them may come to know about the Lord. So the whole effort is an outreach. So pray about it and invite people. Those are the two things that you can do. Let's say a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings, spiritual and temporal, that you've given to us. We pray, Heavenly Father, for our friends and family day. We pray, Lord, that we know that there are those that uh, we've wanted to talk to the Lord with, and maybe we've just not yet had the courage to do so. So, Father, give us the courage. Give us the wisdom. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we can be your hands and feet serving you. Bless us. Bless us to, your, to serve to your end, to your glory, and bless us, Lord, to be an outreaching people, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've probably heard, because it's always a popular little saying, God won't give you more than you can handle. Sound familiar? A lot of us have heard that. I don't know where it came from. It's a nice sentiment. But there's no scripture anywhere in the Bible that says anything to that end. But I think people like to think it when life gets tough, God won't give us more than we can handle. And I just personally, I don't agree with it because I think sometimes I don't think God gives us the bad things in life, but I do think that he can work through them. And I think sometimes the burden of life and whatever circumstances we face move us maybe to our knees in prayer or to become closer to God. But this passage in 1 Corinthians is probably the closest to that sentiment that you can find. But it doesn't say anything about God giving us something, but rather that when we are tempted, God gives us a way of escape. 
In the Bible, we see Genesis 22, verse 1, for example, God is going to test Abraham. Now, he's not tempting him. He's going to test him. James 1.13 says, God cannot be tempted, and God doesn't tempt. And as a matter of fact, if anything, what James goes on to say is that all the good things come from God. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So God doesn't give us the bad things in life per se, but rather God gives us the good things. But when we're honest with ourselves, every one of us is tempted in some way or another. You have your temptations, I have mine. You handle yours as best you can, as we all do. Sometimes, however, we don't seek the way of escape. We give in to the temptation. And Paul is telling us here in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he's telling us that God provides a way of escape when temptation comes knocking. So if you look a little bit ahead of, of what was read at the beginning of chapter 10, he's recounted some Israelite history where people in the covenant with God in the Old Testament where they were unfaithful. And so he's warning the Corinthians not to think that they are beyond becoming unfaithful to God. It's happened before, it can happen again. Just as they were tempted, so you also will be tempted. However, God is faithful. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, that very same phrase is used. God is faithful. So Paul began this letter on the fidelity of God, and he reminds them as well. Now, the pagans around that time, they would have emphasized human will, your willpower, your ability. But Paul emphasizes God's faithfulness. So when you are tempted, it's nothing new. Temptations are common among humans. And one author says the way out is always there right along with the temptation. So let me, let me read you a little story that I happened upon this week. And I'd never, never heard of Sergeant James Robinson until this. But on April 11th, 1966, Sergeant James Robinson was part of Company C when it walked directly into an ambush set up by the Viet Cong Battalion about 40 miles east of Saigon. Army records showed that the company was already light on men at the time due to leave and injury. The heavy fire they took from all sides quickly decimated their numbers further. They tried to take cover, but it was hard in the dense jungle where enemy snipers hidden in trees could easily spot them. Two other companies were supposed to back them up, but had lost track of them in the, in the jungle's dense foliage. As casualties mounted and the day turned into night, Robinson moved around under intense fire to collect weapons and ammunition from the wounded to redistribute them to soldiers who could still use them. Robinson noticed one of the enemy machine guns that had been inflicting severe casualties on his men. He'd run out of ammo for his rifle, but he was determined to end this reign of terror. So he grabbed two grenades and charged at the entrenched enemy weapon. As he did so, he got hit in the leg with a tracer round, which set fire to his clothing. Robinson ripped off the flaming clothes and continued forward. The enemy is now solely focused on him, and they shot him twice in the chest with a 50 caliber machine gun. But before he lost his strength, he was close enough to the weapon to throw the two grenades into the entrenchment. And as they exploded, destroying the enemy position, Robinson passed away. He died where he had fallen. 
at the age of 25. You know, there are a lot of stories of soldiers' exploits in war, and sometimes you never know about them until you're reading something. But to think about what all he did and what he sacrificed. But it all began because of an ambush. Sometimes our temptations ambush us and we're overtaken and maybe we're caught off guard and there are things that we can do. And when I think of an ambushing sin, I think of the story of Joseph. You can look in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 36, excuse me, 39, I can't read my own writing. Genesis 39, he is the highest ranking servant in the household of an Egyptian nobleman by the name of Potiphar. And Mr. Potiphar is always away doing the work of the kingdom. And so Joseph's responsibility is to oversee the household. But Mrs. Potiphar is there. And Mrs. Potiphar takes a, she takes a liking to young Joseph. And quite literally, he is ambushed with temptation. Genesis 39, beginning with verse 6. Thus he left all he had in Joseph's hand, and he didn't know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So there he, Moses is setting this story up. He's handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said to him, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he didn't heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. So there he was ambushed with temptation, ambushed with the prospect of sin. And what does he do? He parts. He just gets out of there. He makes like a banana and what is it? How's the saying go? Split, made like a, anyway, you know what it is. I don't know what it is. Now, I got to tell you a story and I don't see her. So I think I can get away with telling this. Unless, is Chelsea here? No? Okay, I'm going to tell this story. So a few years ago, there was a, a group of us that were playing this community kickball tournament. And Chelsea, I was, I was uh, uh, you know, I was there at home plate. I was that guy catching the balls, throwing them. And Chelsea was on first base. And I forgot what team we were playing against. But anyway, guy kicked the ball. And so I step up and I'm watching everybody run. And I happen to look over. And he had plenty of room to get to first base. But for whatever reason, he plowed over Chelsea Hendricks. And I hear someone holler, hey, and it, it's not, it's one of those, we're about to fight. You, you, you know the tone of voice. So I look over and I'm sitting there, I see this and I'm like, he could have went around her. And so then he tries to help her up and I love it. She just smacked his hand out of the way. I was like, good for you. 
And so, you know, I, I think the guy apologized. And I'm sitting there going, she's tough. She's tough as nails. And I can tell she really wants to throat punch this guy. But anyway, so we thought all was well and fine. And then after the game is over, I'm walking with someone and he, he's looking very unhappy. And I'm like, are you okay? He was like, those guys said, we'll, continue, we'll keep on running over your women. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. I said, I'm out. I said, if we play them again, I'm not showing up. I said, because I will lose my job at Glendale Road Church of Christ. You know, I know some of y'all are big sports fans, and some of y'all are just lunatics. You, you're good here, but you get on a court or a field, and you turn into a completely different person. Wish you were as passionate about Jesus as you are about that game. But I'll tell you this, I know that if I'm going to be in an environment where something like that can occur, I know how I'll react. I know I'll get angry. I know I may say some words. And if necessary, I may throw hands. Oh, you're a preacher. You should never say that. I'm a person. I'm a person. And I would invite you to talk to God because for the longest time I asked him, do you really want me to do this? This does not fit my personality whatsoever. I do the best I can. But if someone's going to be cruel like that, I know if I'm there and these guys are going to be like that, there's going to be a problem. So it's best that I not even be there. And there are places we shouldn't be. There are people we shouldn't be around. Because you know how you are, you know how you might react, and there's no point in putting yourself in a position where you could possibly be tempted to the point that you will not even resist it. And so Joseph did just that. He, he parted. He got out of there because he did not want that temptation. And sometimes that's what we have to do. We have to leave certain places, certain people in order to be closer to God, to be faithful to Him, and to not succumb to our temptations. Secondly, we need to pray. This is something that preachers say about everything. You want to grow spiritually? Pray. You want to be closer to God? Pray. But if you're not a prayer, you'll never understand the importance of it. You'll never understand the effectiveness of it. You get, when you pray, a spiritual formation. The things that you and I pray to God, those things help shape us and the type of Christians that we are. Hebrews chapter 4 Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I don't know about you, but there's many times that we find ourselves needing the help and the grace of the Lord. And it's, there's a part of that Lord's prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I read this interesting story about a region of Africa where evangelists had gone and uh, there were Christians living there. They were very diligent about praying and they had a special place outside the village where they prayed in solitude. The villagers reached these prayer areas using their, their own private footpaths through the brush. Now when the grass grew over one of these trails, it was evident that the person it belonged to was not praying that much. And so they began a unique custom. Their custom arose because new Christians were concerned for each other's spiritual welfare. 
So whenever they noticed an overgrown prayer path, they would simply go to the person lovingly and warn, friend, there's grass on your path. What does your prayer path look like? Anytime someone comes and they have a difficult time, the first question I always like to ask is, how's your prayer life? Because you'll notice, or I have at least, I I noticed a correlation between difficulty and lack of prayer. And some people go, well, what's the point of prayer? It doesn't seem to get anything done. You got to remember, prayer does not get our will done in heaven. It gets God's will done on earth. That's why it's important. And it's important to stay in constant contact with your father. You know, you think about this. Every one of us in any relationship, whatever the relationship may be, a spouse, parent, child, we constantly communicate. Whenever communication shuts off, the relationship suffers. You know, there are probably one or two people from high school that I still stay in touch with. You know, we'll text occasionally or message or whatever the case is. And you know, uh, we had our 20th reunion not very long ago. Whew, makes me feel old. And people were like, Stephen, you should come. It'd be great to see you. My point was, none of y'all have cared to see me since. Why am I going to come to a reunion of people that I just don't have anything to do with anymore? Thank you, but I'm I'm okay. Y'all have a good time. I hope you have a great time. Communicating with God is very important. So when the temptation comes, get out of there, part, pray, but you can also purge. And this is one that I found very helpful. Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 and 30. If you're using a pew Bible, those page numbers at the end will get you where we're going. Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 and 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now, Some people only read the Bible literally. There are parts of the Bible that are not meant to be read literally. There are figures of speech. This is common of the rabbis in that time. They often spoke in hyperbole. It's kind of like my favorite example of hyperbole is when I was a kid, and if I had a smart mouth, my dad would say he's going to slap the snot out of me. Well, that just meant he was going to hit me real hard if I didn't quit. Whether or not that literally would have happened, you know, I guess we'd have had to wait to see. I never tested the theory, though. But Jesus is saying, any temptation that you have, if there's something you can cut out of your life, you need to cut it out. And I'll tell you this. Look, this is very handy. We all have them. Uh, I've got a Bible app on mine, and I refer to it often. Got a lot of other things. But there are things on this. I, I sit here and think... If I had that when I was in middle school or high school, do you know the kind of trouble I'd have been in? There, I've learned more about certain apps and things than I care to. And so if you've got 
a phone. There's nothing wrong with having a phone. I mean, this is really a little computer when you think about it because it does everything you want it to do. But if there are things on there, if there are apps that you use, if there are people that you text, if there are things that you... And this is a temptation. Cut it out. It's better to do without than to be cast into hell, is what Jesus is saying. And it may not necessarily be a phone. It may be anything. Anything in your life that is a gateway to your temptation, that can cause you to stumble, cause you to sin, and we all have them, it's better to go ahead and cut that out so that we don't even have that around to worry about even being tempted. I think probably the most important part of combating temptation, of course, when we're ambushed by it, we got to get away. Whatever that means. Sometimes, uh, sometimes in a situation, something will kind of ambush you. And one of the things that I've learned to do is just remove myself. You know, I told you about that kickball game. But I make a practice of removing myself quite often because I don't need to stay. I need, sometimes we just need to get away, cool down, right? Paul says, be angry and sin not. There's nothing wrong with being angry. But now, what we do that, that's something different. Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And so sometimes you just, you're just going to have to get away and just take a minute and just calm down. And that's okay. And Stephanie knows. I, children are pretty well aware. You know, if I, keep, if I go on to myself, just, he'll be fine. But sometimes we just got to get away. We got we to maintain a prayer life. It's very important. It's very important. We have to purge the things from our lives that could be gateways to our temptations. But I think probably the most important one is our perception. You and I need to be able to know what the will of God is, and we need to be able to know in certain circumstances what is it that God would have us do. Now, there are some things that Christians think, well, it's okay, we can let that slide, we can get by with it. Well, ask the question, what does God say? doesn't matter what you and I think. And that's always the, the, the thing is, you know, we like to think, we like to discuss, but it's very important to ask, what is God's will regarding this? Now, in that Old Testament book of Hosea, one of the things that is clearly pointed out is why God's people were suffering, why they were being destroyed. And he says here, the prophet in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest to me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Clearly, knowing God's will, knowing God's way, a great way to do that is read your scriptures. Read the Holy Bible. Most of us have more than one copies, don't we? I mean, I, I, you could go into my office and I probably have two or three on my desk, and then I've got a drawer with a whole bunch of them. And I, I have different ones because, I don't know, because why not? Right? You should have multiple, you got, got it on the app, on my cell phone. But reading scripture is, is very important because you see what pleases God, you see what displeases God, and that helps me to go, okay, I want to live and I want to please my Father, and I know if I do this, he will not be pleased. 
But I know if I do this, he will be pleased. And here's the thing you got to think. Don't care what other people would think of you. That's probably one of the worst temptations we suffer from. And that is, well, how will, what will people think about me if I do this or don't do that? At the end of the day, you need to be able to lay your head down and say, God would be pleased. And if everybody else wants to be pleased, that is great and fine. But if others don't, so what? One thing I've learned is if you want to make your life miserable, try and please everybody. That's a surefire way to make your life miserable. But put God at the top. Make it your priority to please Him in all that you do. If your Bible stays closed and unworn, how will you ever know what God's will is? You and I may be committing spiritual suicide when we don't give ourselves to the will of God. And as parents or grandparents, if we're not feeding our children a steady diet of Scripture, we're as good as murdering them, their souls. You know, there's this, there's this line of thinking, and that is, well, I brought them to church their whole life. I don't know why they turned out the way they did. I can appreciate that, and, and I've talked to many people. Uh, one, one gentleman in particular, he came to faith probably in his 60s, 70s, and I thought that was the neatest thing ever, so I was like, I want to go visit this guy. So I went and visited this man and his wife, and uh, we were talking, and I was like, I understand you, that you just became a Christian not that long ago. And, you know, I was like, that's really encouraging because, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, as long as you got breath, you can still make that important decision. But he said, I've got one regret. I said, what's that? I'm thinking, how can you have a regret about becoming a Christian? He said, I regret that I waited so long. He said, because my children will not darken the door of a church. And I've asked them. I've pleaded with them. But because I didn't make it a priority early in life, it's not a priority for them. And so let, let's really look at ourselves and our priorities. And let's, thank you, sir, let's look at also what we make important. Because if we can wake up on a Sunday morning and just go, eh, you know, I, well, I don't feel like going to church today. Let's just watch it. By the way, hi, all that's watching. Or maybe you just go, ah, let's just, uh, we just, let's just sleep. It's my only day of the week to sleep in. If you make it unimportant, your children see that, and it won't be important to them. If you make it the most important thing, they will see that. And it may be very important to them, or it may not. You can't answer for what another person does, but you can't answer for what you do. And we all will. Sin begins in the heart. It's not what goes into the body that defiles a man, Jesus says, but it what comes out of the heart. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things, says Jesus, that defile a person, Matthew chapter 15. And so while we're always tempted by something, let's do our best to eliminate the temptations if we have to depart, we will. We continue to pray, purge the things out of our lives that can be a gateway to temptation.
But let's make sure we know what the mind and the heart of God is because that will be possibly the greatest guide that we're going to have. Let's pray together once more, please. Our Father in heaven, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is indeed weak. Each of us struggle with our own temptations, and we may have friends that know about them or loved ones, but maybe we think that uh, because we keep it close to our hearts and hidden that nobody knows. But help us to be mindful of the fact that you see and that you know. Father, we have, those of us that have obeyed the gospel, we have been justified by our Lord, we've been sanctified, we've been reconciled to you, but we still face temptations. So Father, I pray for us all that you would forgive us our trespasses, that you would cleanse us and make us whiter than snow. And Father, give us strength to go forward resisting temptation, Give us strength to find that way of escape and to not succumb to temptation. But in those moments of weakness that we have, we just pray for your grace. We pray for your mercy. Help us to know your will. Help us to continually give ourselves to prayer, to identify those gateways and purge them from our lives. And when we're ambushed by sin, to just get away. Strengthen us, Father, that we may be good children to you, that we may be good servants. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing, and this is our in. Well, now, yeah. do you mind? Everybody starts rustling. See, if we don't make this invitation important by all this moving around and stuff, people are going to think it's not important to us. Okay? Just like children. No, I love y'all. But we have a song of invitation after every sermon. And the purpose of that is for anyone who has never obeyed the gospel, that is, if you've never confessed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you've never repented of your sins, or you've never been baptized, buried with the Lord in baptism, if you've never done that, it's an opportunity for you to do that. But it's also an opportunity... If, as a Christian, you go, you know, man, he spoke right to me. I've struggled with this, that for so long. And maybe you want the help and the prayers of your church family. You can come forward, and that'll be a time for us to do that. You don't have to do it publicly, but it is available to you. And we're here to serve you however we can. And if we can help you in either of these two ways, you have the opportunity to come forward as we stand together and sing.